Hey regulars, Charlie here. We all spend a lot of time thinking about what we eat, but what about what we drink? Well, our friends at Congan Water have an answer for you. When you call 800-494-8685 or visit Conwater, that's K-A-N-Water.com, you can learn more about the Congan Water machine and to check out their specials on air purifiers. Congan Water has been around for 50 years and has expanded into nine countries, which shows that they really do have the staying power to outlast all their competition. The Congan Water machine is the only real ionizer on the market. The rest, unfortunately, are nothing more than a mass produced water filter. While Kangen water is great for hydration, you can use it for all sorts of other health benefits, whether that be reducing acid reflux, migraine headaches, joint aches and pains, low energy, gout, and even muscle pain. Its antioxidants neutralize free radicals in your body and keep your immune system strong, while its alkaline properties balance the pH level of your body and keeps you healthy. If you drink a lot of energy drinks and have a very acidic diet, Kangen water is a must. You can even use the water for weight loss. There are weight loss plans that rely on Kangen's alkaline water exclusively, but even without a plan, the water will help help you lose weight. So if you're interested in improving your health and boosting your hydration, call 800-494-8685 or visit conwater.com. That's K-A-N-Water.com to learn all about the Kangen Water Machine and to check out their specials on air purifiers. Again, these deals will not last, so be sure to call and let them know that the regular Joe Show team sent you. Fighting for truth, justice, and the American way. Without the cape, we're the superpowers. Not even a sidekick. Heck, we don't even have fancy gadgets. This is just Joe and his trusty microphone. Made in the USA. This is the regular Joe Show. Oh, so good. Well, hello there and welcome. Joe again to your regular Joe here with you on this Thursday. You know what that means. A Freedom Friday Eve, but also the simple celebration. We've done it. We're four-fifths four of the way through another work week. Also means we're only 40 out, 48 hours away from Bags for Bravery. Celebrating our great veterans raising funds for the Desert Veterans. Looking forward to hanging out with my partner, in, well, it's not really in crime. I guess it's partner in beanbag turn, turny effort. Are you going to come? I didn't even ask you if you're going to swing by. You should swing by uh, and see. It's quite an event. There's, I think, I think there's still a few slots left if you wish to sign up a team to compete. You can find out all the details. Go to regjoshow.com. R-E-G-Joshow.com. You should go by each and every day. There's so much there. Don't don't cheat yourself. The life is too short. We've got plenty going on. We have the battle at the border. Trump and Biden both visiting, each claiming the other is a political stunt. Yet, well, what does history tell us about that? Yesterday, Joe Biden was talking about crime and safety in a forum. He seemingly forgot about the out-of-control violence at the hands of illegals. Didn't even mention Lake and Riley by name. Also, how do we secure the border? We'll talk about that. Hunter was smug, and the Supreme Court said they'll take up immunity in much more. But first, seven minutes after the hour, which means right now, as we speaketh in Lake Tahoe, it is 6.07 a.m. In New York City, it is 9.07 a.m. In London, 2.07 p.m. And right now in Taiwan... It is 10.07 p.m. That is your new and improved Biden Crime Family Time Check TM, the regular Joe show, brought to you as it always is at the top of each and every broadcast hour to ensure that one can't possibly claim ignorance. Somehow they were unaware. They were not informed. Nobody let them know 
about the true nature of the depth and breadth of scum and villainy that is the Biden crime family. So look, we're doing that job. I know it is a heavy, heavy burden, but we carry it each and every day at the top of each and every hour to make sure you know about what they do to trade influence for money. Those just a few of the examples of the locations that they DBA as the Biden crime family. And, you know, speaking of the Biden, we always try to tie something into our Biden crime family time check. Uh, yesterday, I believe it was yesterday morning, right? Senator Ron Johnson out of the great state of Wisconsin. He was on with uh, Fox Business Network's Mornings with Maria Bartiromo talking about the role that Brandon had in the Biden crime family. Of course, the smug, and he was smug, Hunter Biden came out flashing his fake teeth. Uh, no, I, look, I don't have anything against falsies. Uh, you know, sometimes it, my father had, uh, um, uh, what do they call them? They weren't dentures. They were well, false teeth. You know, he literally had to pop them in and out. But that wasn't because of his crack addiction, though. My father, that is. In the case of Hunter, it's a little bit of a different story. So flashing those bright whites purchased at the, you know, by the Ukrainians and the communist Chinese, among others, to act as though he was walking on sunshine after giving his deposition yesterday in front of the Joint House Committees investigating the impeachment inquiry to his old man, the big guy, Joe Biden, Brandon himself. But Ron Johnson was answering the question about, well, I mean, what exactly, what is the tie between, is there a tie between Joe and Hunter? I thought he summed it up quite well. Cut 10. Well, first of all, he's lied repeatedly. Why do you lie if, if you uh, have nothing to cover up? Uh, President Biden is the Don of the Biden crime family. You know, oftentimes the Dons kind of sit above all the, the criminal activity that occurs, but they're fully responsible for it. It was his name that they were peddling. It's, it's you know, his position that uh, garnered millions of dollars from China and from Ukraine and from Russia. Uh, he is the head of the family. He was fully aware of it. He lied about the fact that he was aware of it. And so, I mean, I think he's completely complicit. I think he's completely correct. And I, by the way, and I just want to say as the resident partial Italian, because I don't believe anyone else uh, on the team is partially Italian, so, or any part Italian. Charlie would like to be, but he does not have, he's, what is it, 100% German? Is it mostly German? What, you don't know? I mean, he, he, half German? Okay. Well, that's still, but no, no Italian. Well, then, as the resident Italian as part of this show, I am not offended by in any way, shape, or form by the use of the term Don because it's a great and accurate description, uh, which reminds me. So just a short little little side, side talk here before we get to the good news. Uh, so my last name, Giganti, there's often been discussions when we were growing up of whether or not there is any connection to our from our family to the mob. I mean, because it's it's a common question in in Italian circles, and of course, there's the infamous mobster Vince the Gin Giganti, who is like I think my father's second. I always get the whole second or twice removed or whatever, but they're cousins. It's, I mean, I know that much. Uh, but in a conversation that that only occurred. When I was an adult, so understand, I'm the youngest of eight boys. There's 20 years approximately between my oldest brother and I. So there's a lot of years that there was stringent denials 
that there was ever any connection. And as we got into adulthood, my father died when I was very young, so he wasn't able to comment on it. And my my 100% Irish mother swore there was no no connections whatsoever, although we, we seemingly thought, thou doth protest too much. And in a moment that when we were with some of my father's family and my mother was present and the question came up again, some things were stated that let us know, not, not again my immediate family, but that there was, there was whatever, cousins and so forth that were, in fact, in, in New York, my family was from Pittsburgh, this part of the family resided in New York, that were, in fact, involved in organized crime. And the defense, at this point, desperate to try to, to convince us that there was no connection despite the the preponderance of evidence now in front of us, the phrase was used. that No, that was just numbers and racketeering. <laughs> and to which we said, that was organized crime. That's what it was back then, was running numbers, racketeering. Anyway, it was just, and, and the best part was then she said, well, you guys just don't understand. Everybody did that back then. And we're like, no, no, everyone did not. That was not a way of life. It wasn't like, oh, we collected bottles and turned them in for some extra for some extra cash. And when that didn't work, we just ran some numbers and did some racketeering. That's not exactly. It just it was a very funny moment because, again, we had no direct ties. So it's not like, you know, some terrible, terrible truth was unearthed. But just all the years of evading a serious straight answer came to a head when it was finally produced. It was like, no, 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 it wasn't. It wasn't the mob. It was just numbers and racketeering to which we we're like, well, what what do you think was one of the mainstays of of the mob back in the 20s and 30s and 40s? Of course, they had ran, ran alcohol in, you know, when that was banned. But anyway, it just it was a very funny, funny part. Of it. So but with all of that being said, no way, shape or form am I offended with the use of Don. This is how we can get around these things. Most some might be crippled by Senator Johnson invoking such a harsh term as Don. But it's, I mean, it's, it's exactly what they were, and it's a great example. Which, by the way, there's a there's a restaurant I learned in New York, and I'm trying to remember the, the it wasn't um, it's not Patsy's. That's where Frank Snotch used to go. It's a steakhouse, not far from the UN. I'll have to, I'll have to. Uh, oh, Sparks, Sparks Steakhouse. Uh, I went there when I was on a trip to New York, and what I didn't know was that the chin had ordered a hit of, of a customer walking out of Spark Steakhouse years before I ever got there. But again, same last name. So when I, it's a very interesting experience when I dined there. Just I think they thought there was a closer familial relationship than there was. Uh, but it did work to my advantage to a very nice set. I was very well served that night. Everything was very perfect, and uh, anyway, fun little stories. All right, so on, all true, that's the craziest part about it. The guy that I met with, the friend that I was meeting with in New York, he knew when he chose the place. I didn't, so it was kind of a little bit of a setup on his part to have a little fun at my expense. He also was an Italian, so he was he was relishing the, because I was so confused. I'm like, why, I've never been to this place. Why is everyone acting like I'm their favorite customer? It was very it was very odd, but anyway, good to know when you want to get a nice steak. Not the cheapest steak in the world, but a very good steak. So I'm just putting it out there. Now, what else is going on in the world? We have good news. We did a video about this yesterday. We're going to get into it deeper 
in the show, which is Mitch McConnell's on his way out. Now, I mean, the bad news is it's not instantaneous. I would have preferred if he just stepped down now. Uh, but there's advantages to him not stepping down at this point. Uh, some say, look, the handwriting was on the wall when John Thune came out and endorsed Donald Trump uh, just the other day. Mitch McConnell has finally come to realize that his days are done. We'll have him speak to that. Now, one of the great advantages to him not leaving, I think, is whatever happens with the Senate, which the Senate is very much in play in terms of numbers. If I'm not mistaken, it's like 30 seats in the Senate. I got to get the exact number. It's a huge number of seats. Very unusual to have this many numbers, this high of a number of seats coming up in an election year because they purposely stagger them. So this could be his great hurrah. You know, he finishes strong and takes back control of the Senate. Or they continue to whimper along as they have, which would be par for the course for him. So by him staying on through November, it makes it hard for him to try to claim it was somebody else's fault if they don't take back the Senate. That's just my quick uptake on it. But there's also another piece of good news. I don't know if you're aware of this one or not. So I want to make sure that you are. This is from the center square. Three House Republicans, Lee Stefanik, New York, Richard Hudson of North Carolina, and Andy Barr of Kentucky are proposing a piece of legislation that would restrict the use of a merchant category code to track transactions for firearms and ammunition sales, which I think is very good news. The implementation of the MCC, as it is commonly known, happened September of last year by the International Organization for Standardization, Visa, MasterCard, American Express, paused the implementation, and Hudson said he questioned it from the outset. A release from Hudson says the proposal would, quote, preempt California's newest attempt to single out and surveil law-abiding firearm and ammunition owners, end quote. News broke last week that American Express, Visa, and MasterCard were planning to go forward and start tracking gun store purchases in that state. In a release, Lawrence Keene, National Shooting Sports Federation Senior Vice President and General Counsel for the Firearm Industry Trade Association, said, quote, the Biden administration has already proven they cannot be trusted to respect the private firearm transactions of law-abiding citizens. Without a warrant, federal agencies collected federal, uh, excuse me, financial information on private firearm and ammunition transactions to create an illegal government watch list of gun owners. Representative Elise Stefanik's legislation would rein in federal outreach, excuse me, overreach to use the private financial transactions of law-abiding citizens against them for political means. That is how you do it. I mean, this, now, I mean, they got to pass it. They got to make it into a law. But the bottom line is you have to go tit for tat and you don't have to hold back. There's absolutely no excuse for such a database and in, in, in overreach by the federal government. It should be smacked down with maximum force. And that's what these three members of the House appear to be trying to do. And that is good news. The regular Joe radio show.
Welcome back. Joe Giganti, regular Joe here with you on this Thursday. Just got, you know, I mean, this is of no great consequence, but it's an important question. I think nonetheless, just popped into my inbox. We're sitting here on the on the, the break going over topicality. Did you know there's another Ghostbusters movie coming out next month? I knew there's another one coming out. I didn't realize it's Ghostbusters Frozen Empire. And the big twist is the Spangler family, you know, Egon is back. But it has the, in the poster, at least, it has all the originals. I mean, the living originals, because, of course, the, uh, the the actor that played Egon is no longer with us. <clears throat> I got to say, I don't know if you saw the, I don't know, what that would that be a sequel or a reboot? Whatever that last one was. It was actually a very good movie. And and I was, I was quite surprised. Again, it's one of those ones where I did it almost out of obligation, because I liked, I loved the original Ghostbusters. The sequel is, eh, but whatever. I mean, I refused to see that ridiculous, just travesty with all the women. Uh, what was that called? Uh, uh, Ghostbusters Estrogen Overdrive or something. I mean, it was an absolute failure. Think, <clears throat> and I got to be honest, I'm glad that it was a failure at the box office because that's what it should have been because it sucked. The whole premise was stupid. Do you know what would be really great? You know, let's take a great film that had great acting, fun, well-written, well-delivered. It was original for its time. Do you know what we need to do? We need to put a bunch of ugly liberal women in all the lead roles, and that will be cool. Oh, and I know, let's do this thing where we make the secretary a beefcake guy so that we can have, it's funny because we can do sexism from a woman to a man, and that'll be awesome. Because actually, if you go back to the original, the, the secretary, there was no like, you know, oh, you've got to be the sexy secretary part. It was Annie Potts played the secretary in the original. I mean, there was a thing, it was inferred that there was a thing between her and Egon, but it was not, whereas, again, I didn't see this the horrible reboot, but again, just from the little bits and pieces that I saw in the news, uh, it was I think it was Thor's, Chris Helmsworth, I think was supposed to be the, the beefcake anyway, but the the actual sequel movie, Ghostbusters Afterlife, actually had very strong positive messaging for family, and that I didn't expect that at all. And they they handled the question of Harold Ramis, Egon, how because you didn't see it, so I don't want for anyone who hasn't seen it. It's actually done very well. That's all I'm going to say. It was a surprise. Again, I'd, it's one of those ones we took the kids because they knew I'd watch the original and we'd watch that together. And, they, you know, for the, for the younger kids, particularly post-COVID, post going to see a movie in a theater is kind of, it's kind of fun, isn't it? It's for, for all the old people, we're like, oh, we can just watch the movie in our living room? Yay! We don't have to. I mean, I love going to the, the theater itself. But, you know, now for the kids, it's like this new they, they've rediscovered the awe of being able to go see it on the big screen, seeing it the first time in the theater, in the in the crowd environment. As a matter of fact, my oldest uh, regular Joe Jr. I mean, he is again, he's his plan is to go into film. And one of the things, uh, for example, when we see a movie when it's just coming out, he will look because you can look online now when you get your tickets, he will pick a showing that is more full than empty again. The difference at my age, I try to pick the the emptier the theater, the happier I am. But because <clears throat> for him to enjoy the art of the film, he wants to be in the group setting to hear the reactions, to see when people are cheering or 
gasping or whatever, which I get it. I mean, it's just what's funny to me about all of it for the younger generations, like they think they've tapped into this unknown quantity of going. I'm like, no, this is this is what we called going to the movies for all of our lives. But anyway, another one coming out. The regular Joe show. Hello there and welcome and a happy Thursday to all. Joe Giganti, your regular Joe with you. You can be a part of the conversation. 888-737-1737-888-737-1737 is the number to call. Or you can text that number as well. 888-737-1737. Emails may be sent and shall be read when received at Joe at regjoeshow.com, joe at regjoeshow.com. So much to get into, so let's dig into it here. Uh, first and foremost, the big breaking news yesterday was, of course, Mitch McConnell announcing his departure. And then he is he has seen the light, if you will. Uh, and by that, I mean, it, you might be seeing, you know, the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel uh, based on the the timber of his voice and the timing of his voice, one, one might wonder. Uh, so we'll talk about his departure. What does it mean? To me, the biggest question is, who do you think should replace him as the majority leader? If you could wave a wand or tell all the Republican caucus members how to vote in terms of who should be the Republican leader uh, in the Senate caucus, whether it's in the minority or majority, hopefully post-November, it will be a strong conservative majority. Who would it be? J.D. Vance? Uh, do you think it should be Rick Scott? Do you think it should be Ron Johnson? Do you do you want it to be Rand Paul? Or do you want kind of the same old, same old John Cornyn? Barrasso's thrown his name out there already. John Thune, of course, uh, being another possibility. Who would you like to see as the next leader of the Republican caucus in the United States Senate. Now, of course, this comes days after John Thune endorsed Donald Trump, uh, which some have tried to make the connection that, you know, Thune knew what was coming, and so he basically knew what side of the, uh, the, the bread was going to be buttered, and this is why he went out and endorsed Trump, because he knew that he was going to be losing the turtle, uh, that Marble Mouth would be heading out the door, possibly, uh, there are those that are saying this is part of the overall assault of the mega Republicans to take over the Republican Party, perhaps. I mean, I think it's just the fact that the guy is, you know, a little bit older than, than you know, dirt. And, and that he obviously is not fit to be in the role that he's currently in. I mean, he's demonstrated that in a number of ways. But what is your, if you could pick that person, uh, or, you know, I mean, now I know there's, for example, Carrie Lake is running for Senate. She would not be a wise as much. I like Carrie Lake, but as a freshman senator, I don't know that you want somebody that literally just got there to be the majority leader. I mean, she could be in, in some form of leadership, but who would you pick? <clears throat> I mean, I'd like her to get a few years under her belt first. Now, as to the big announcement itself, here's Mitch McConnell. We talked about this. I had a video yesterday that we released on social media. The news broke literally right as the show was finishing. Uh, so we wanted to jump on it. But here he is 
explaining his decision in cut 16. I turned 82 last week. <clears throat> the end of my contributions are closer than I'd prefer. My career in the United States Senate began amidst the Reagan revolution. The truth is, when I got here, I was just happy if anybody remembered my name. <laughs> President Reagan called me Mitch O'Donnell. Close enough, I thought. My wife, my wife Elaine and I got married on President Reagan's birthday, February 6th. It's probably not the most romantic thing to admit, but Reagan meant a lot to both of us. It, it's hard to tell. Uh, but look, I mean, this is the legacy, right? You've got to start establishing the legacy. He came into the Senate in 1985 after the 84 midterm elections, which, of course, Reagan trounced in. So this is how you do it. It's how you rehabilitate. And it may not be the most romantic. I mean, 82, he doesn't sound a day over 102 the way he was talking. I mean, thankfully for him, he didn't freeze in the middle of this moment. Now, he did go on to say that he has clarity about these things, and that's, that's what matters the most. So as I've been thinking about when I would deliver some news to the Senate, I always imagined a moment when I had total clarity and peace about the sunset of my work. A moment when I'm certain I have helped preserve the ideals I so strongly believe. That day arrived today. That it is. He is certain. His time in the light is short. Now, he almost got poetic, downright religious at one point. He threw in a little bit of a quote from the Bible, talking about his talent, talking about all these things. It's kind of a long-winded one, but here you go. Here's Mitch trying to make the sales pitch. Cut 18. I have the honor of representing Kentucky in the Senate longer than anyone else in our state's history. Don't break. I just never could have imagined, never could have imagined that happening. When I arrived here in 1984 at 42, I'm filled with heartfelt gratitude and humility for the opportunity. But now it's 2024. I'm now 82. You mentioned that. As Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes tells us, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. To serve Kentucky in the Senate has been the honor of my life. To lead my Republican colleagues has been the highest privilege. But one of life's most underappreciated talents is to know when it's time to move on to life's next chapter. Well, you know, that is true, and I think you demonstrated it because I like that he's like, I'm 82, I've been here 40 years, but I have the talent to know when not to stay too long. 
I, I hate to break the news to you. you. You didn't master the talent. You've been there too long. Now, one of my great complaints, and I posted about this in the video and subsequent posts on social media, is this need to lionize Mitch McConnell. And that's not just Mitch McConnell. Every, I mean, whether it's a senator that dies, doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what they did or didn't do well or badly, there's this almost compulsory need to lionize these people, and I don't get it. I mean, when Diane Feinstein died, you'd have thought she was the second coming of Jesus. She was not a good person. She did not do good things as a United States senator. And for Mitch McConnell, I mean, I listened to what, what amounts to journalistic fellatio yesterday, and it was disgusting. All these people, well, you know, I mean, he is the master of the game, and nobody politicked better. He even talks about he's really good at politics. And, I mean, you want a certain skill set in it. But, okay, so he he stopped Merrick Garland. Good, I'll get, you know. But, but let's also look at the why. Don't forget that he's one of the people that also tried to foist Harriet Myers on us. Remember Harriet Myers? He was all in on Harriet Myers. Harriet Myers would have been a disaster on the Supreme Court of the United States, and he was all in on it. Well, but he helped to get three of Donald Trump's nominees to the Supreme Court. Okay, so this is like saying, you know, that guy is the greatest police officer because he issued speeding tickets. It's part of his job. He's the head of the Senate when we had a majority in the Senate, and you're telling me we, have to, we, we can't get a constitutional nominee through the Senate? I mean, let's not, again, I, I get it. I lived in Washington. I was front row seats for a lot of these things that went on throughout the years. Not always easy, but these were not Herculean tasks that he did when it came to the three nominees for Donald Trump. I'll give him some level of credit on Merrick Garland, but I will also tell you that it was politically opportunistic for him. He would have been destroyed if he had let Merrick Garland get on the Supreme Court, and he knew it. He knew the pressure that was on him, and first and foremost, he wanted to maintain his influence and power, which is number one on the list for all professional politicians. So his was an act of self-preservation. Now, again, I'll give a little bit of credit, but I'm also not going to I'm not going to put lipstick on the pig and pretend like, oh, he's a stalwart. And this idea that he represented Reagan Republicanism, maybe back in 1984. But I also lived through the, the Ronald Reagan years. I was there just like they were. I haven't forgotten as much as they've forgotten when it comes to who Ronald Reagan was and how he carried himself and what he believed and what he wasn't willing to compromise on. The only You would think, based on how they pretend that they are the, the legacy bearers of Ronald Reagan, that all the guy ever did was compromise on everything. He made some compromises. Some were very, very bad, including infamously his compromise on amnesty, which was a terrible compromise by, by Ronald Reagan. So again, let's not let's not try to rewrite things the way they were. Now it gets you all excited, right? He's like, "Well, the sunset is here. Now the end is close. I see the light at the end of the tunnel." You're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to be gone." Well, not as fast as you think. This will be my last term as Republican leader of the Senate. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. 
However, I'll complete my job my colleagues have given me until we select a new leader in November and they take the helm next January. I'll finish the job the people of Kentucky hired me to do as well, albeit from a different seat. And I'm actually looking forward to that. Well, that's good. He's looking forward to staying there till 2027. I got to be honest with you. I don't think he will. I think he'll stay to the end of November, like I said, which is a good thing from the point of view that it'll make it near impossible for him to try to blame anyone but himself if we don't actually win back the Senate. Because after all, as the leader, he has a vital role in making it happen. Then came, well, kind of a moment of honesty that I, I rather thought was, well, frank, honest, and surprising. But Father Time remains undefeated. I'm no longer the young man sitting in the back, hoping colleagues would remember my name. It's time for the next generation of leadership. There's no question. Father Time is always victorious. I'm glad Mitch is admitting it. I think that goes more to more to anything. I mean, yes, they have their differences, he and Donald Trump. I would side with Donald Trump on those, but I think there's there's a fate. They tried to sell this yesterday. It had nothing to do with the freezing incidents. It had nothing to do with his declining health. Not not buying it. I just I'm going to be honest. I'm not buying it. I think it has everything to do with that. I think it has everything to do with the fact that he knows that his failure as leader means he's done. He's just getting ahead of the curve before they vote him out. Better to step down now, well in advance of when he's actually stepping down to clear the decks and make it seem like he made the decision. Kind of like when you get fired, but they say, well, we'll accept your resignation, right? That's what it comes down to. But look, he wants you to know he's not going to go quietly in the night either, though. I still have enough gas in my tank to thoroughly disappoint my critics. And I intend to do so with all the enthusiasm with which they become accustomed. Well, there you have it. He's promising to continue to be a burr in the saddle of conservatism. Doesn't it make you feel good? Doesn't it make you think that it's wonderful? Now, my daddy used to say, tell me who your friends are, and I'll tell you who you are. Well, in reaction to this news, one of his close friends said this. So, of course, that was that was once again the terribly mic'd Joe Biden saying, I'm sorry to see McConnell step down. He and I, I trusted him. We've had a great relationship. We fight like hell, but he's never, never misrepresented anything. I'm sorry to see him stepping down. Yes, when the Democrats are very de de desperately and sad to see him leave, I think that's just confirmation. It's overdue. The regular Joe Radio Show. Hello there. I got a lot of feedback on the Mitch McConnell segment. Uh, it's not quite done, though. I have another story I do need. I, I don't know if you I'm sure these are completely unrelated. Uh, but I'll get to the comments on the music in a moment. But uh, this from Fox Business. Uh, this is from earlier in the month of February. 
Angela Chow. She is the CEO of New York-based dry bulk shipping company Formos Group. She, of course, is the sister of former U.S. Transportation Secretary Elaine Chow and sister-in-law to Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. Uh, died as a result of a car accident at age 50. Uh, her father, Dr. James S.C. Chow, said the family, quote, is devastated with grief, end quote, in a statement released Monday. The family and company did not disclose further details related to the death, saying, it is with a heavy heart and deep sadness that I announced the passing of my beloved youngest daughter, Angela Chow. Angela is a brilliant woman, a charismatic and visionary leader, and a much is much loved by all of her sisters, our entire family, and friends, Chow said. As I said, she was the CEO of Foremost Group, a company founded by her parents in 1964 in New York. She worked her way up to lead the company beginning in 2018. Of course, the company has been questioned in terms of its ties to the communist Chinese government. And apparently, according to some reports, it was an electric vehicle, right, that locked down and went into a, a body of water, and because it was locked down, she couldn't escape. And so she drowned, basically. Um, there's not a lot of detail available other than that. And again, the family's not uh, saying a lot about it other than obviously, I mean, I can understand the heartbreak. Uh, so it's been kind of an interesting month uh, in the family. The, the unexpected and tragic loss of the CEO of the family shipping company. Uh, foremost group, and uh, and then of course, uh, just a few weeks later, Mitch has come to the conclusion that you know maybe maybe it's time that he moved to the next chapter of his life. A lot to to take in. No, no, I'm I'm still here. I just just I'm just digesting it. I mean, man, what a what a one-two punch. That's all I can. And say, Greg wrote and said, not buying McConnell's leaving with sentimentality. What does China have to do with it? The regular Joe Show. Fighting for truth, justice, and the American way. Without the cape, we're the superpowers. Not even a sidekick. Heck, we don't even have fancy gadgets. This is just Joe and his trusty microphone. Made in the USA. This is the regular Joe Show. Oh, so good. Hello there and welcome Joe Giganti, regular Joe here with you on this Freedom Friday Eve, a.k.a. it is Thursday in America. Ladies and gentlemen, the border continues to have issues. It is wide open, particularly in California today. Brandon, the sitting installed president, Joe Biden heading to Brownsville in, in kind of a clever as half move. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Conversely, Donald Trump is heading to El Paso, Texas, which has been a hotbed of illegal immigration activity until most recently. Of course, he announced his trip two weeks ago. Then the White House announced after that that Joe Biden also was going to the White House. Which, by the way, is a great, great way to run uh, a campaign. Look at what your opponent's doing. Then, well, I'm doing it too. Uh, <laughs> So no word on maybe if uh, if Donald Trump's going to hold an outdoor rally somewhere, maybe we'll hear that Joe Biden is going to. do. Yeah, no, if it doesn't involve honking horns and him hiding in his basement, that part won't happen. 
Of course, Hunter Biden was on Capitol Hill yesterday. Lloyd Austin is going to be there today. Alvin Bragg wants Trump to shut up. McConnell, we got just a few other quick moments on McConnell. We're almost done with that thing. Goodness. Figuratively and literally, the Illinois ballot and so much more. But first, seven minutes after the hour, which means right now in Tokyo, 12.07 a.m. In Zimbabwe, 5.07 p.m. On the Ivory Coast, 3.07 p.m. And right now in Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, 10.07 a.m. That is your new and improved Biden Crime Family Time Check TM, the regular Joe show, brought to you as it always is at the top of each and every hour to make sure one can never claim they were not given fair warning. Nobody took the time to explain that those are just a few of the multitude of locations that the Biden crime family has DBA done business as trading influence for money at your and my expense, figuratively and literally. And in 250 days from this day, we have the opportunity to change things, to take back our republic, the first step, not the final step, only the first step in restoring our republic by ousting Joe Biden from 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. So bear that in mind when people tell you, when they tell you how great things are, Joe Biden was doing that yesterday. On the heels of Lake and Riley's brutal, brutal murder by an illegal alien yesterday at the White House, Joe Biden was telling everyone, crime is down. (laughs) I mean, you couldn't ask for more blatant tone deafness from any political party or operative or person or candidate or elected employee than what we are witnessing with this current administration. It doesn't matter how much people are in pain and suffering. They just will continue to look at you and lie. It's not, you know, the other, when the breakup, no, it's, it's not you, it's me. No, Joe Biden keeps looking at you and saying, it's not me, it's you. Everything is great. So bad yesterday that the, 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 the talking binder, the box of rocks herself, had to try to do damage control in part of the White House press briefing. We'll get to all of that. Now, there's a lot of things that said going on. I mentioned this last hour, and, and uh, I like to, you know, for the sake of it, I want to bring it back up. I mean, we did mention Mitch McConnell announced yesterday that he'll be leaving, uh, not soon enough, but he'll be leaving as the leader of the Republican caucus in the Senate post-November's election. And then he's going to stay in his, his seat until uh, until the end of his current term, 2027. Although I'm going to I'm just going to tell you right now, I don't think that's true. He's saying that because he has to say it right now. I don't think he will. I think he'll end up leaving before that. But he's, he's just not going to say it because, well, he's, he's trying to save what modicum of face that he can, which begs the question, who do you want to be the next leader of the Senate the Republican Senate caucus, be it a majority or a minority, whichever one it might be. You know, one of the names that I'm seeing on text messages that I've already heard bandy about, I certainly contemplated it myself, is, of course, Senator Ron Johnson out of the state of Wisconsin. He has been a great, strong advocate for conservative values. He's been outspoken. We played his, his sound regarding the COVID scandemic yesterday. Here he is talking about Joe Biden as the Don of the Biden crime family. Well, first of all, he's lied repeatedly. Why do you lie 
if, if you're, uh, you have nothing to cover up. Uh, President Biden is the Don of the Biden crime family. You know, oftentimes the Dons kind of sit above all the, the criminal activity that occurs, but they're fully responsible for it. It was his name that they were peddling. It's, it's you know, his position that uh, garnered millions of dollars from China and from Ukraine and from Russia. Uh, he is the head of the family. He was fully aware of it. He lied about the fact that he w was aware of it. And so, I mean, I think he's completely complicit. I think he is 100% spot on. And again, I appreciate his bluntness in how he says these things. Now, before I go on to the good news and before I get into any of the other pieces, I just want to tie a bow on our conversation from the last hour uh, regarding Mitch McConnell. And of course, he just made the announcement yesterday, the 28th, which was just, just a few short weeks after the unexpected death of his 50-year-old sister-in-law, Angela Chow, CEO of the New York-based dry bulk shipping company, Formos Group, which has come under scrutiny a number of times for its connections to the communist Chinese government. Uh, now, and, and I had some people that were questioning, uh, was, I, was I filling in too many, too many breaks, or, or too many blanks, rather, on the story? So I just, I want to be clear, I'm reading from an annotated description of her death. I mean, it's got, you know, where you can source out all the information that on February 11th, 2024, at the age of 50, according to Blanco County Sheriff, this is in Texas, Angela Child died after her Tesla went into a pond on her private ranch, the JW Ranch, which is located in Johnson City, about 40 miles west of Austin. The car was in a lockdown mode, so the doors could not be easily opened, apparently from either side. Now, it's my understanding, I don't know, I'm, I'm looking at Charlie, you may, isn't one of the kind of the sales points of these EVs and Teslas the ability to, that you can connect to them basically by computer, right? I mean, you can, because I know one of the concerns was, yeah, by your smartphone, and one of the concerns is that it could easily be hacked. I mean, I'm, again, there's nothing about that in the story. I'm not saying that's in the story. I'm just, because I'm not a big EV guy. Obviously, you know, i pretty much against them. Uh, but anyway, uh, be that as it may, I, that's not part of the story that, you know, anything that you can connect to with your smartphone can easily be hacked and overridden. Uh, but either way, uh, her car, for unknown reasons, was in lockdown mode and launched itself into a pond on her private ranch just west of, of Austin. She was under the water for an hour as rescuers tried to reach her, it's a deep pond. I mean, uh, an extricator from the submerged car. Upon removal, EMS workers delivered, quote, advanced life support, end quote, for 43 minutes, but were unable to revive her. So, no, in the answer to the text question, I am not filling in blanks. I'm reading it verbatim just now from an annotated source on her death. And I don't know. I didn't. I shared it only because it's, you know, I mean, this is the Chow family is part of the McConnell family. Obviously, you know, this is his wife's sister. So it's a lot happening uh, in this leap year, today, of course, being leap day. Uh, and, you know, I don't know. Maybe they have nothing to do with each other, but it's a lot in any one family. It is uh, it's a lot. That's all I'm saying. It's just a lot. Yes, Mary, I'm sorry, Eagle Pass. I said El Paso. He, uh, Donald Trump will be in Eagle Pass, Texas, 
Thank you. Mary listens in Texas, so she eagle-eared as well. So, uh, so anyway, I just wanted to clarify. No, that was not me speculating on anything. That was me giving you what what's in the news about the very surprising, untimely death of the CEO of the shipping company with ties to communist China, um, which, of course, has also at times reflected on questions about Mitch McConnell, uh, who has now announced that he is... Uh, stepping down. He has seen the the end is near, which got me in trouble, by the way. I played with his announcement. I played Frank Sinatra, My Way. Now, I love the song, and I love Frank Sinatra, but Tim got mad. He said, I can't believe you did Sinatra that way. I hope I never equate Mitch O'Donnell when I hear Sinatra. I won't, and you won't either, Tim. We love Sinatra too much for that. Also, Biden's doctor would say, Marble Mouth is a riveting 82-year-old and, quote, fit for duty. My pick for speaker would be none other than Ron Johnson. So, look, we agree on things here, Tim, but I, I certainly meant no disrespect to, uh, to, to old blue eyes. Uh, now, conversely, uh, I did get someone that, that, that emailed in and said the music was perfect background music. So, you know, not everyone, but... Uh, but at least there's a few that were a little unhappy that uh, that I used uh, that I used. Now, Terry Rennie goes, he said 82. He didn't clarify 82 what centuries. I know, didn't it kind of sound sound like it? He said he's soon to be speaker of the crypt. Wow. See, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go that bad. Uh, Bronson wrote in said, I'd like to see Ron Johnson, a real conservative, take over as the leader of the Republican caucus in the Senate. I Again, you won't hear me argue with that at all uh, as a prospect. But I mean, I do think there's some other good ones out there. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know if Ron would do it. I should send him a note and ask him because, I mean, I personally think it'd be great. Uh, but there you are. I mean, that is, uh, the, again, you know, that's that. Now, Corey just runs, Joe, I'm, I'm not against electric vehicles. And look, let me clarify. I'm personally against them, as in I don't ever want to own one. Uh, but but anyway, he said, I'm against the technology used to make the batteries, the recycling of the batteries, the production of the batteries, the mining of the materials to make the batteries. That's what I'm against. Well, And you know what's funny, Corey? Uh, you'd think most of the left would also be against that, but no, not when it comes to pushing the green craziness on everyone. Uh, so Glenn wrote, Hope Mitch texted Chucky Schumer, and told him to listen to his speech, listen, learn, do. Well, funny enough, Glenn, I, I was watching footage of it, uh, the actual speech on the floor of the Senate, and before he even finished, Chuck Schumer was was shuff, shuffling over. You got to watch these guys. I mean, really, I'm not an ageist like Hickey Nailey. I really am not. I don't think you're, the number determines your abilities. I think your, your physical and mental prowess you know, determines whether you can do it. I've seen people in their, their mid-80s, and I, a friend of mine's dad was axe-throwing until he was like 93 years old, and he's really good at it. So again, age, you know, it's not the number, but when you look at the U.S. Senate, and you see these guys try to walk, and I mean, half of them literally shuffle, and then they, they lift their hands up, and they're like all, you know, disformed because of all the different advanced arthritis. And again, I'm not making fun of them, per se, but just... It's kind of embarrassing, right? Like, that's the best we have. But to your Chuck Schumer point, Chuck Schumer started shuffling over towards McConnell before he finished and was literally waiting by his side when he, you know, spoke his last words 
so they could each put their hands out together uh, to, you know, to kind of consummate the deal almost, if you would, on the floor of the Senate. I mean, not quite like that other thing that happened in the Senate a few months ago with those Democratic staffers, but in their own political way. Uh, that seemed to be the case. The case. So you weren't too far off, Glenn. You know what? We'll do the good news in just a moment. The regular Joe Show. Hello there and welcome. Joe Giganti, your regular Joe here with you on this Thursday. Now, the good news for this hour comes from none other than avowed communist Van Jones. I know that seems like an odd, odd source for the good news. Uh, But he, of course, now is a highly paid CNN anchor. Now, there's no word on giving his communist predilections if he crowdsources his money in the sense that, you know, of course, As a good communist, he would not want to own anything and take any personal income. So I'm sure he disperses everything beyond what he needs for his most basic needs uh, to the public. Uh, Did you get your check yet from him, Charlie? Yeah, me neither. But nonetheless, as a CNN contributor, he, he cried tears of joy when they declared Joe Biden the installed ruler of the United States. But now the tears may be of sorrow. He told uh, CNN commentator and host Burnett recently that, quote, if you understand basic math, this is a shockwave to the Democratic Party because it takes a lot less than the amount of support he's got, especially among young people, to throw this whole thing for Biden. What is he referring to? The news that Robert F. Kennedy Jr., has enough signatures to make the Arizona and Georgia ballots. And we talked about this yesterday, that, I mean, while there's certain areas that that Kennedy does have some crossover appeal, particularly with COVID, he has enough very far-left beliefs that have properly marketed, and the Republicans should absolutely market those to the the left-leaning voter crowd if they're looking for a solution other than Biden and they don't want the orange man bad to encourage him to vote third party, you know, in the form of of Kennedy. And that's exactly why Jones may start to cry some tears of sorrow. He went on to say on CNN with Aaron Burnett, we can lose some states, but we can't lose many. We're going to have to we're going to have a tough enough time in Georgia. We're going to have a tough enough time in Arizona anyway But this is a big deal. This is a very big deal. And I think for me, my heart breaks. Reminded me of that touching moment in Revenge of the Sith where Padme says to the young Anakin, Annie, you're breaking my heart. This is what I imagined the moment was like. Van Jones, lip quivering. Robert, you're breaking my heart. You're creating all these problems, Robert. But I say it's good news because I'm going to tell you something. If Van Jones is actually worried, that, my friends, is a good sign. And, and this, is, this, is a, this is a beast of their own making. Robert F. Kennedy was just did an interview with Martha McCallum where he, he boldly and blatantly said he does not think Joe Biden is making most of the big decisions in the White House right now, including <clears throat> the decision to deny Kennedy secret service protection. 
which seems rather unfathomable. I don't care if there's a Republican or a Democrat in the White House, in, in whoever the regime leader may or may not be at that moment. I mean, you have a Kennedy running for public office for the presidency, and you're going to deny them secrets? I mean, given the history of the family, come on. I mean, that's that's just ghoulish. It's like basically saying, I hope you die. I mean, that's it, it, but he gave he gave Biden a pass saying, I don't think he's the one making the decision. And be that as it may, in so doing, in the way they're treating Kennedy, <clears throat> it's only increasing some people's interest in his possibility as an alternative on the left to Joe Biden. Van Jones sees the handwriting on the wall and he's like, no, 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 we don't want to do that. But that that die may be cast at this point. We will have to see. Now, we've got the big border situation. When we get back, I want to talk about that. Plus, Illinois playing fast and loose with the Illinois ballot, except they're really not. So what's really at work with this decision to say that they're going to boot Trump from the ballot? I've got those thoughts. Plus, an update from Alvin Bragg. The regular Joe radio show. Joe Giganti, regular Joe here with you on this Thursday. Uh, you know, the more, every time I, I go through the stack of stuff and I think there's nothing more about Mitch McConnell, there's a great, I'll just mention this, great piece in Just the News uh, that says Mitch McConnell's legacy, because he talked about all the all that he's he feels he's done everything he can. And uh, this piece in Just the News, the headline, Mitch McConnell's legacy, colon, $27.6 trillion in national debt. I'll just let that sit out there. I'm not, not going to go any deeper than that. Now, we have the battle of the border today. you got Biden and Trump both going to the border. Trump, of course, announced he's going to El Paso many weeks ago. And then, what? what? Eagle, did I say El Paso again? Why do we keep doing that? Look, here, watch. You can hear the marker. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to write it. I know it's Eagle. Why do I keep calling Eagle Pass El Paso? I don't know, but I'm going to re- look. Eagle, maybe I have Biden disease. Eagle pass. There, see? It's, I, I don't know why I keep doing And now you're in on it. You got Mary in Texas, and I got Charlie Smack. I feel like Charlie's like a nun. Remember the old nuns come around with the, the ruler and whap on your, your wrists or on your, your knuckles when you weren't? It's like, it's, it's like having Charlie around sometimes. Anyway, but they're there, of course. Biden, I think, well, it, it, okay, not Biden. Let me correct myself. But the handlers are like, well, well, we'll send him to the place where there's really nothing happening. We're going to send him to Brown. Now, last year, Brownsville was having major surges. Here's the, the reason why I say it's clever by half. No matter which way you go, his simple appearance at the border, again, this is where Republicans need to be smart and not grab defeat from the jaws of victory. It is, of course, nothing but a political reaction that Joe Biden is going. The first three and a half years, well, it took three years for him to get there. They sanitized the place as though the Chinese handlers were showing up to inspect when he went down last year 
and, and did nothing of any great effect. This year, he claims he's going because he wants to talk to leadership and Border Patrol members about what resources they need. It's going to be a faint move. He's going to get in there and say, we need to pass the, the Senate bill that secures the border of three other locations but the United States and gives nothing but you know a tacit nod to the security here in the U.S. But here's where you make the victory of this. Whether he goes to Eagle Pass, see Eagle Pass, well, you know, it's El Paso, you know what it is? It's EP. El Paso, Eagle Pass, whatever. It's not my fault they can't come up with original names in Texas. Whether he goes to Eagle Pass or Brownsville, you know why it doesn't matter? The only reason why there's been any improvement on the border is because of what Governor Abbott in the state of Texas has done. And that's what needs to be hammered home. The reason why last year Brownsville was a complete mess and this year it's not is because they put up they put up makeshift walls, they put up the barbed wire or the razor wire, and it's working. And that's why they so it, it, to me it's clever. I mean, I know a lot of people are lamenting, and I get it. He's pride, you know. He he sits there and and says, Well, look, but if he takes any modicum of credit that there's no illegals passing through. I mean, in the time period, uh, in terms of, of measuring it, in, in Eagle Pass, there's been like a couple thousand that have come through, I think, in the last 45 days. And in Brownsville, it's been like 14 or something. So I'm sure they're looking at the numbers like, well, this will work. We'll send them there and it won't look too terrible and it won't be so bad and he can, he can sell it. Well, all anyone needs to do is say the only reason why, because a year ago, Brownsville was a mess. The only reason it's not is because of what, what Greg Abbott did, which, by the way, the Biden administration has been suing them to stop. They've been paying federal employees to take down these barriers. So it's, it, it's clever by have at best. But again, I, I don't I don't want to think that, you know, they're going to figure it out too quickly. Now, we'll get deeper into that in a moment. Plus, this, yesterday's press conference with Joe Biden, where he supposedly is talking about how you know, crime and insecure, ending crime and making things secure is, is so important, uh, except for the fact that, you know, again, he seemingly missed the 800-pound gorilla in the corner when he talked about it for failing to mention Lake and Riley or any of the illegal immigration crimes that have been going on, which we'll give you an update. But first, I have another update. Now, you know, in Illinois, they, of course, have said a judge, a left-wing judge, came out and said, well, you know, Donald Trump is guilty of insurrection, which, can we be clear, judges, whether it's a Supreme Court judge or a localized judge at different levels, they cannot declare someone guilty of something they've not been charged with. Donald Trump has never, ever been charged with insurrection in the court of law, period. This is the equivalent of the judge reaching up under their black robe, digging deep in a dark orifice and pulling it out of that orifice and saying, look what I found. He's suddenly guilty of something. But like every other situation where a judge has made this ruling, Colorado and so forth, is that they immediately stay their own decision based on the appeal process and the Supreme Court weighing in. So it might even wonder why you would do something like this. Well, for one, Illinois's primary is March 14th or 12th is 12th or 14th whatever it's two weeks away early voting has already started in Illinois so his name is gonna already be on the ballot they're staying the decision pending appeal so why would they do this I mean I'm sure there's a certain moral victory they feel every time they get to say we're taking them off the ballot even when they're not 
But I'm thinking there's something a little more obvious to it all. What do they hope will happen if they if you don't think you can vote for him? What might someone do that wanted to vote Republican? They might vote for the other name on the ticket, you know, like Hickey Naley. I mean, could this not just be yet another Democrat attempt to prop up Hickey Naley in the hopes that they can try to show she's getting traction in any way, shape, or form? If they spread the word that Donald Trump isn't going to be on the ballot or his name on the ballot's not viable, because this is like when they do the correction on the 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 number of, of jobs, right? They put the big number out. Everyone's like, oh, my gosh, look, we more than expected. Well, two months later, we're down to, you know, 40% of that number, but nobody pays attention because it's down the road. The big lead is that Donald Trump's being taken off the Illinois ballot. It's at the end of the story where they say the judge is staying that decision pending an appeal process. So, in fact, he's still on the ballot, but it doesn't matter. What they're putting into the psyche of the Illinois voter is that Donald Trump can't be voted for. Voting for him isn't going to work or be productive in any way, shape, or form. So, again, why do it? Well, because I think it, it's more of the psyops, more of the effort to try, which, I mean, let's be clear. Next to Americans for Prosperity, who have now pulled out their financial support for Hickey Nelly, which is the surviving Koch brother, basically. Next to them, the, the group that has been propping Hickey Nelly up the most financially, and for that matter with votes, is the Democrat Party. So... It wouldn't surprise me if this is another, nothing more than an attempt to try to pop up her numbers in Illinois to try to make her look like she has any ability to compete, which has been proven that she doesn't. And that's not the only attacks going on Donald Trump, who apparently is not entitled to the same constitutional rights that the rest of Americans are, because, I mean, in the state of New York, matter of fact, in the city of New York, we go to one of our favorite prosecuting district attorneys hey 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 it's alvin bragg ladies and gentlemen well he's back at it now he wants a gag order against donald trump monday he filed this request quote to protect the integrity of this criminal proceeding and avoid prejudice to the jury this is a jury in new york city you're worried about prejudice against a republican then move it out of the city. The people respectfully request that this court issue a narrowly tailored order restricting certain prejudicial, extrajudicial statements by defendant, Bragg's memorandum wrote. Defendant has a long history of making public and inflammatory remarks about a participant Uh, which would be Alvin Bragg, by the way, just for the record. Uh, Participants in various judicial proceedings against him, including jurors, witnesses, lawyers, and court staff. Those remarks, as well as the inevitable reactions they incite from the defendant's followers and allies, pose a significant and imminent threat to the orderly administration of this criminal proceeding and a substantial likelihood of causing material prejudice. My question is, who wrote that for Alvin Bragg? Because that doesn't sound like, you know, I don't think there's a few, few grade levels above him. But either way, the bottom line is his feelings got hurt. He doesn't want anyone to say bad things about him. Because Donald Trump has the audacity to question the supreme authority of Soros-backed district attorneys 
who look at the law as a form of persecution against those they don't like and they don't wish to support. So his answer to that is, well, only I should be able to. So for example, Letitia James, you know that each day on Instagram, she is posting an updated meme of the judgment against Donald Trump from Judge Aragon that adds in the daily interest. Now, how is that not prejudicial and extrajudicial? How is that not inflammatory against Donald Trump? But no, no, that's okay. Alvin Bragg, hey, 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 he can go around saying whatever he wants about the big orange man bad, but there's there's no stopping it. But if Donald Trump wants to speak back, well, that's, that's just a bit too far. Matter of fact, a spokesperson for Trump's campaign, Stephen Jung, said today the two-tiered system of justice implemented against President Trump is on full display with a request by another deranged Democrat prosecutor seeking a restrictive gag order, which, if granted, would impose an unconstitutional infringement on President Trump's First Amendment rights, including his ability to defend himself and the rights of the American people to hear from President Trump. And trust me, they'd rather hear from him than from Alvin Bragg any day of the week. That, that's my little part to it. Going on to Chung's comments, he said, this is election interference, pure and simple. This case, like the others, is a sham orchestrated by partisan Democrats desperately attempting to prevent the re-election of President Trump and distract from the, de- the decrepit presidency of crooked Joe Biden. The radical left will fail and President Trump will make America great again. By the way, great, great response uh, by him. Now, this is, again, it's all distraction. And I've said this time, all this IVF talk, all the, it's all about distraction, distraction, distraction. And because they don't want you to look at Joe Biden. Yesterday, he was at the White House hosting his Fight Crime and Make Our Communities Safer Forum at the White House State Dining Room. Now, just a quick few snippets of what he had to say there, including cut number two. My plan goes after the scourge of gun violence in America. I've taken more executive actions to stop the flow of illegal guns than any other administration in history. And we beat the NRA when I signed the most significant gun safety law in nearly 30 years. Well, that's that's something to be proud of, Joe. I know now that makes everyone feel better, right? And why? Tell us, Joe, what what is the point of all this? Cut three. We're going to finish the job. We're going to ban assault weapons and high capacity magazines next time around because it has to be done. This is what it's all about, Tim. Now, of course, understand that immigration's. Immigrations and Customs Enforcement has confirmed, as we told you yesterday, that Maryland two-year-old shot and killed by illegal immigrants. Also, earlier this month, three Metropolitan Washington, D.C. Police Department officers sustained injuries in an altercation while attempting to serve a warrant. ICE confirmed that Stephen Kloss Radigan, the suspect, also an illegal immigrant. The person that killed Lake and Riley, an illegal immigrant. The person that stabbed a teenager, also an illegal immigrant. The regular Joe Radio Show. Well, hello there and welcome. Joe Gigante, your regular Joe with you. So I mentioned this list of just, I mean, these are all recent terrible attacks 
all at the hands of illegal immigrants. Now, I know there are plenty of citizens that do terrible things, but you do understand the most basic difference is if it's an illegal immigrant committing the crime, if they weren't here, and by the nature of them being an illegal alien, they shouldn't be here, then those crimes likely would have never happened at all. You can't just be like, well, mysteriously, some random person might have done it anyway. It doesn't work that way. So he talked about taking people's guns because that's the way they like to do things. But there was no mention, not a single one, of Lake and Riley. Despite the fact that this is supposed to be all about the fact that they want safety. You know, again, fighting crime, making our communities safe. No mention of all the issues that go around the illegal immigration problem. But people took notice of that. As a matter of fact, because of that, the binder herself had to try to do damage control, was asked about this during the White House press briefing. And, of course, she can't say much. It's an open investigation, you know, uh, because that's what matters to them. Cut 28, she tried to save face for old Joe. I do want to extend uh, our deepest condolences to the family and loved ones of Lake and Hope Riley. Uh, given this is an active uh, case, I'm going to be really careful about uh, speaking to that case more specifically. I would have to refer any anything specific to that uh, to that case to law enforcement and obviously ICE. And I, the president, I don't have anything uh, uh, regarding to the president speaking to the family, but it is heartbreaking. I, I can't even imagine what the family's going through. And so, um, but. Uh, anything else specifically I would have to refer you to ICE and law enforcement. Now, just for a minute, work with me on this. What is it that she could say that would affect the case? I, I really can't say much because it's an active case. What, what is, is she spent, is she like part of the mystery team? It's her, Scooby-Doo and Shaggy in her off time. She's out there checking out, trying to find out what's going on. You know, she's wearing her, her orange high, high neck sweater like Velma. Well, didn't they make Velma black in the latest? So there you go. Maybe that's her, her, her side gig, her side hustle. I mean, this is, I really can't speak to it. What does she think that the, the defendant, that Hosea Bear is going to be like, well, you know, you might think I'm guilty, but Corrine Jean Van Dam said this, and therefore I, I have to be let go now. I mean, it's, it's a ridiculous premise. Well, I really can't speak much to it. You should talk to ICE. I don't want to throw uh, any shade on the case here. But I did speak to Fred and Daphne. Then they told us, look, we got this one in the bag. Now, she wasn't the only one. Mayor Kelly Gertz, he got, he got hammered in a press conference yesterday. He's the mayor of Athens, where this all took place. A sanctuary city, by the way. He... Claims otherwise, but, well, we've got the videotape proof of it. We'll play. His answer, by the way, sounded remarkably like Kareem Jean Van Dam's. Shocker. The Regular Joe Show. Fighting for truth, justice, and the American way. Without the cape or the superpowers, not even a sidekick. Heck, we don't even have fancy gadgets. This is just Joe and his trusty microphone, made in the USA. This is the regular Joe Show. Well, hey there, Joe Jagan. To your regular Joe with you, hour number three. Of the regular Joe show on this Thursday, also known as a Freedom Friday Eve. 
That means tomorrow we'll kick things off as we always do with the headline roundup. Plenty of discussion on freedom and liberty as always. And your participation. I mean, I look forward to it each and every day. The great emails, the text messages. Although I think we have to, we have to work on this uh, phonophobia. As I, I'm just learning about this is being... Uh, it, it's being... Uh, I'm sorry, just look at this, this suggestion. As it's being bandied about as an important issue. Uh, people afraid to use the phones. I just I have to address this. Betty Roden says, any chance you could carry your show live on Rumble? Well, Betty, we are working on that. So it's a, just a suggestion. It's a great suggestion. Uh, we are working on it. I don't have a dateline uh, on doing it, but the short answer is we are looking at how to carry it live on Rumble, to have a live video stream of the show. I know, that's dangerous. People, people would have to look, look at my ugly mug. Uh, if they were watching on the video stream, but that's okay. We'll just put a camera on Charlie or somebody else, and that that way you won't have to. We won't have to worry. I actually have a funny story about doing radio on television. I'll share share it in a moment. First, though, it is seven minutes after the hour, which means right now, as we speak it in Beijing, China, it is 12:07 a.m. In Paris, 5:07 p.m. In Martha's Vineyard, 11.07 a.m. And in Seattle, home of Chaz and Shop, 8.07 a.m. That is your new and improved Biden Crime Family Time Check TM, the regular Joe show. Brought to you as it always is, at the top of each and every hour, to make sure one can't claim ignorance. Somehow they were unaware of the crooked as a rat's hind leg that the Biden crime family is. We're going to get into the analysis of what we know of yesterday's testimony by the smug Hunter Biden. Talk a little bit more about this the border visit and the implications of the border, including uh, the no good day that the mayor of, was it the, what was that, the horrible no good day, whatever, uh, that the mayor of Athens, Georgia, had yesterday trying to have a press conference. Uh, but first, the good news. Uh, and it's a twofold good news. First, the, the U.S. Supreme Court announced they would take up the question of presidential immunity which, of course, will push back some of these criminal trials, but they expect the matter will be taken up April 22nd by the court with an expedited response, uh, which means that it, it, you know, you'll get a, a quicker response than you might otherwise, uh, which is good. Very good news. The secondary good news is it's causing all of the liberals to go apoplectic that this is even being considered as terrible as outrageous. It is just too much. Uh, The court said that it would consider, quote, whether and if so, to what extent does a former president enjoy presidential immunity from criminal prosecution for conduct alleged to involve official acts during his tenure in office? Which, I mean, it's a fair question. It has been discussed previously in the courts and is always cited with the president up to this point. Uh, But we will see what happens of it. But this has got, like I said, the left just kind of, you know, kind of going a little crazy right now. Uh, Chris Hayes, he's a host over at MSNBC. You've never heard of him because nobody watches it. Uh, but he said the, the order, quote, is a clear, unmistakable sign from the mega majority of the Trump-created court that they are with him, that they are going to use their power to make sure that he does not face trial in an election year for attempting to end American democracy. Just plain terrifying, he said. 
I have to be honest. I take absolute joy at the thought of Chris Hayes soiling his underwear over this. It's so bad. He's probably sucking his thumb in a corner, calling his $500 an hour therapist. you got to make me feel better. I can't go to my special place. It's not working. Help me. Help me. Slate writer Mark Joseph Smith went to social media. That's where everyone goes when they want to vent their spleen. What the Supreme Court did today is just plain terrifying. He also is a little upset. The justices are actively abetting Trump's effort to run out the clock and evade trial for January 6th in a choice between independence and cynical partisan loyalty. A majority picked the latter. Or, I mean, this is crazy to think about it. The Supreme Court's doing its job weighing in on a question of constitutional law. But, you know, I mean, far be it from me from accurately describing it. When, in fact, you could go with senatorial candidate, that'd be Democratic Representative Adam Schiff for brains out of California. He said Trump's goal is to deny justice by delaying justice. Where did, where did you get that line? Oh, yes, from 1960s, the civil rights movement. Way to steal it, Adam. Sadly, the justices seem okay with that result. There was no reason for them to hear this case. No, absolutely. Why Why should they weigh in on questions of constitutional law? That, of course, is um, uh, whose job is that? Congress? Oh, yeah, the Supreme Court. A president is not immune from prosecution when he violates the law to stay in power, not in a democracy. All right. So as you can see, the meltdown is rather beautiful. Now, you know what it really, I mean, you understand what this is. This is, this is the bratty kid that, the, you know, the indulgent parents for the longest time, yes, yes, you really can fly. Yes, you're a superhero. But then the day comes where they have to face reality. No, you're wearing pajamas. You really can't fly. That's not a jet pack. That's just your school book bag. And no, that's just a football helmet you're wearing. It's not your special superhero suit. And they throw the big video. No, I'm a superhero. You can't tell. This is why you get a bunch of contemptuous little children dressed up like adults running around because this is the world that the, the liberals love to make. It's make-believe world. Wherever they say, whatever makes them feel good, whatever makes them feel as though they're the, in the right, then it must be good, must be true. And if you challenge it, just like Winsome Sears challenged the delusion of a dude in a dress by referring to him as sir, and he steadfastly, immediately stomped out of the room because he was so unhappy. He had been disrespected because they challenged the delusion. And in this case, the Supreme Court is challenging the delusion that state courts, state Supreme Courts, can suddenly declare someone guilty of a crime they've never been charged with. That is the antithesis of our legal system. But it's what they're used to. They get what they want. That's why they love people like Mitch McConnell. Because Mitch McConnell is one of the few people that can walk into a negotiating room, get spanked literally, maybe figuratively, I'm not sure which, maybe figuratively, maybe literally, who knows? But absolutely get his hat handed to him, gives him everything they want, and then walks in and says, oh, this is a good, there's a victory in my 40 centuries in the Senate. I've never seen such a Reagan-esque compromise to, uh, what are we on? What are we talking about here? I don't even know. I mean, this is, this is, 
that's why they why he's gonna leave when we don't get our heyday anymore. I mean, don't worry. We just got breaking news just came across the wire. John Cornyn declares his candidacy for the Republican leadership position. I mean, goodness gracious, the body's not even cold yet, John. John Cornyn would be a terrible choice, just to be clear. Terrible choice. John Cornyn is Mitch McConnell, what, 15 years ago, 20 years ago? I don't even know how Cornyn's not. He's he, Well, you know, the funny part is, is McConnell said it's time to hand to the reins of power to the next generation. You know, when you're 82, that means somebody in their 60s. I mean, generation, generally 20 years, right? So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, right? I'm in my 50s, so I'm not, it's not like I'm, oh, 60s over the hill. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, I mean, maybe the next couple generations, I mean, you can go down a little more, right? I mean, we wouldn't want to bend the curve of the average age of a member of the Senate by too much, would we? Because isn't it like 68 or 70? Can you look it up? It's a ridiculous number. I mean, the average age of the United States Senate is ridiculous. It's it's up there. I'm just saying. But so, I mean, here you got John Cornyn throwing his hat in the ring. You have Democrats. And this is ultimately, ultimately why they really despise Donald Trump, because Donald Trump doesn't play make believe with them. Donald Trump doesn't go in and, you know, they go in and they say, look at how beautiful San Francisco is. San Francisco, the streets are lined with gold. Donald Trump's like, no, that's piles of poop. And they're like, and, and look at these fine citizens. They're all in upper middle class incomes, living independently. And he's going, no, these are, these are homeless tent communities. Because this is what they want you to do. And they do it wherever they are. And they, oh, you t- okay. 65.3. Okay, it's a little younger than I thought. I actually thought it was closer to 70, but I mean, I'm just saying. You understand an average is the middle ground, right? I mean, and it's being pulled up to 60 anyway. So, I mean, of course they're melting down. Anything that challenges their deluded way of seeing things will absolutely infuriate them. And I'm glad it does. This is a reality check that is long overdue. And by the way, I'm not surprised John Corner was the first one. John Corner's probably waiting for, he's the, I mean, in the Senate, he's the Roger Roth of the Senate, right? I mean, he was ready to go, baby. The minute Mike Gallagher said he wasn't running for Congress in Wisconsin, there's Roger trotting right in. I'm ready to go. I'm here. I just heard the news, uh, but I just happened to have this team ready to go, this statement ready to go, and everything within hours, but it's totally impromptu. Caught me by surprise. Whew. Took me an extra hour to get that out there. You know, here's John Corner. Oh, is he leaving? Uh, well, gosh. Uh, well, I'm in. Let me think about that a little more long. I mean, anyway, it's, it's just because this is what Washington is. And by, by design, I said this is why they hate Trump. It's why they hate you and I so much. Because we refuse to go along with the delusions. We refuse to play the game. And that's, that's all it matters the most to them is the game. They don't care about advancing principles and solving problems. You silly people. <clears throat> that's for the, as they love to refer to them, that's for the true believers. The true believers, you know, those that are actually in this for something more than their own personal gain. That's, though, they got no time for that. Now, as for Hunter Biden yesterday, he was out there, and, I mean, he had the smug smile, the well-coiffed hair, apparently hadn't done a drug in at least a day. I don't I mean, I don't know. He says he's sober. I hope he is. Truly, I don't want to do it. I mean, I don't wish it upon anyone. 
But when you get certain endorsements, you know you've made it in the world. For example, we've heard from the Democrat from the 30th District of Texas before. And that, of course, is Jasmine Crockett. Now, I can't guarantee you that she listens to this show. Uh, but, you know, you got to wonder what her influences are. And you also have to wonder, you know, the old, tell me who your friends are. I'll tell you who you are. Well, when you get an endorsement like Hunter Biden got from Jasmine Crockett yesterday, you got to think maybe you could not endorse me. This might be better. We're talking about someone who is an actual citizen, just a regular Schmegular citizen. We're not talking about somebody who could not pass a background check, yet somehow ended up being appointed to his administration. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a son that was struggling, a son that lost his mom, a son that lost his brother, a son that lost his sister. A son that lost his brother. Wouldn't it be a brother who lost his brother? I mean, he's not the brother's son. He's the brother of the brother. He lost his I mean, look, I lost a, a parent many years ago. It's, it's terrible. But for the record, I mean, it was like 40 years ago they lost his mother. But he's a regular schmegular. <laughs> I've never thought. I, maybe she should start T-shirts. The regular schmegular. <laughs> I mean, this, this is what she's got for him. He's a regular schmegular. Well, with that, who could question it? You're right, Jasmine. Case closed. He's 100% innocent. Let Hunter go. The Regular Joe Show. Welcome, Joe Giganti. Here we the Joe. You can be a part of it. 888-737-1737-888-737-1737. So now we know the truth. Hunter Biden is just a regular schmegular. Not to be confused with the merry band of regulars, which is a far higher class of individual. But so saith Jasmine Crockett. Now, yesterday there was the... The much sought after hearing, uh, or excuse me, deposition, there will be a public hearing involving Hunter Biden now that this is done. We were told that he did not plead the fifth that we know of yesterday, uh, that he filled in some interesting information, that it was contradictory to other sworn testimony, not surprising there, but barely had he actually began testifying when several Democrats ran to the, the microphone. He basically gave his opening statement where he said that he had never involved his father, which is ironic. He said, I'm here today to provide the committees with the one uncontestable fact that should end the false premise of this inquiry. I did not involve my father in my business, not while I was a practicing lawyer, not in my investments or transactions, domestic or international, not as a board member, and not as an artist. I'm glad he threw the artist part in there. Never, he said in his opening statement. That led to Jamie Raskin giving his full-throated defense of regular schmegular Hunter. Um, their most recent star witness, Alexander Smirnoff, is now in jail, uh, being held as a flight risk uh, after being indicted by uh, the special counsel who was named by Donald Trump, David Weiss, for lying to the FBI and creating a false documentary uh, record. So this has been a comedy of errors from the beginning. Um, all of the revelations that are in 
um, the legal pleadings filed by uh, David Weiss now give a very strong whiff of a Russian intelligence operation. Oh, there it is. It's Russian collusion. That's right. This has all been nothing more than a Russian counterintelligence effort. Well, it's funny that that came up because Hunter addressed he is a bit of a Russian hunter. You would have never thought, I mean, no pun intended on the name there, but that he is out to stop Russian influence. I mean, you'd think he's back in the days of the Cold War with the USSR. Matt Gates spoke to this yesterday when he was talking to a gaggle of reporters after the deposition. There were a number of interesting moments, but perhaps none more interesting than when Hunter Biden told us that he uh, joined the Burisma board to counter Russian aggression. I, I hadn't heard that one before, that thank goodness we had Hunter Biden on the Burisma board uh, because that was uh, central to his strategy to stand up to Vladimir Putin. Yeah, I mean, it's, it takes a lot of money to stand up to Putin. I mean, who wouldn't stand up to Putin for millions of dollars a year to do something you have zero qualification? Now, as to what he said and didn't say, Gates addressed that as well. Taking the fifth at all? No, he's, has, answer, he's, he's, he's been responsive to questions. Has he yeah. told you exactly what value he brought to any of these wars, any of these companies yet? Have you guys asked him that? Yeah, we've asked those questions, and there is, there is an illusory value. It is a mirage to believe that Hunter Biden was engaged in international business. This was uh, a bribe masquerading as an international business transaction. Nothing more, nothing less. Now, I mean, look, I don't want to just say everything was a mirage. Some of the things he did were very real. Now, we may debate, should he have been on Burisma's board, what he did with CEFC, which we'll get into with Jonathan Turley in a moment. But let's not forget, there were some very real contributions. Jasmine Crockett said, look, he was a son who lost his brother. And, you know, he sought comfort. He sought a way to heal that. You know, when he started to have sex with his dead brother's wife, that was that was real. He did that. The regular Joe radio show. All right. Now, people are seizing on this. This is not that you guys, you know. I thought you were my friends. I've gotten a slew of text messages. You could change the show to the regular Schmegular Joe show. Greg said, how about the regular Jasmine Schmegular show? It's arrived. <clears throat> Tim said, ah, I can hear it now. The regular Schmegular Joe show. I'm telling you, I feel like this is a T-shirt in the offing. We shall see. But I, for the record, I don't plan on changing the name of the show anytime soon because... Uh, yeah. All right, then. So back to the, the topic at hand. Now, I want to get to the border stuff. Uh, I do, because what happened in Athens uh, with Lake and Riley, we've got to cover. But before we do, Jonathan Turley was in Fuego yesterday on Fox News's America Reports. You recall I played the soundbite earlier in the show from Senator Ron Johnson. He said, well, Joe's kind of like the Don of the Biden crime family, which I think is an apt description. And, and when you keep that in mind to what Jonathan Turley said, he connects the dots why that is even, even if that's apt, right? That as the Don, he sat above the actual legal activity, that would still rise to the level of high crimes and misdemeanors. 
I will let GWU law professor, liberal constitutional lawyer, Jonathan Turley, explain. Cut 11. I think that the Democrats did a disservice to themselves by coming out too quickly. You know, they came out in about an hour after the deposition had started, after uh, Hunter Biden read that statement. So he had barely cleared his throat when they came out and said, OK, well, there's nothing here. And it left a lot of us sort of chuckling. We, it, it made it seem like he could pull out the severed head of Victor Shokin, uh, <laughs> and they would still say, well, thank you for being so forthcoming. I think we can move along now. I mean, it. It was just a bizarre and I think a really badly timed effort. Well, to say the least, it was. But I love the fact Turley is honest about it. He said, look, they'd do better if they were just a little more intellectually honest. Remember, this is the person who sent the WhatsApp message that my father's sitting next to me and effectively saying he's not going to be happy unless you send me a huge amount of money. Now, that seems a rather direct effort at using your father's uh, name to elicit money from uh, foreign sources. And in addition to that, we, there are plenty of emails where Joe Biden is referenced, where these same figures that are giving money to the Bidens and the Biden families thanked him for arranging meetings with his father. And I think the Democrats would be in a better position if they acknowledge the obvious, which is this was an influence peddling operation. I mean, Hunter Biden himself says that he was in the throes of addiction. Well, then why were people giving you millions of dollars in areas that you know nothing about? Well, that's a damn good question, isn't it? Here in the throes of addiction, you have no you have no no experience, no credit, nothing to offer other than the fact that your father was the vice president. That would be the key, wouldn't it? And he's he's right now the WhatsApp message. Perhaps you've forgotten. John Roberts, one of the co-anchors, said, "Well, you know what? Let's remind everybody what was it that 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 Hunter wrote." in that WhatsApp message. So, Jonathan, you mentioned this, the WhatsApp message. I, I think it bears repeating so that everybody can remember exactly what it was that Hunter said here. He said, I'm sitting here with my father, and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Tell the director, and this is of CEFC, that I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand, and now means tonight. And Z, if I get a call or text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang, or the chairman, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge, that you will regret not following my direction. I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father. He since tried to say that all of that was taken out of context, but uh, Lord knows how you do that. <laughs> I mean, it's true. How do you take that as a blatant threat? My dad's here. Do what we tell you to do, or we're going to make your life a living hell. Jonathan Turley, again, intellectually honest, he said, yeah, let's call this what it is. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine the context you would put that in. I mean, it, it, you, you, you juxtapose that with what uh, Representative Raskin just said, that, you know, he would just bring, bring his dad to dinner on occasions, and this was just mom or dad calling in to say, howdy. Um, that message howdy. doesn't quite exactly sound like uh, a, a father being used just to have a friendly hello. Uh, and the question is, if he put it in writing in this message, how many times was this message 
message conveyed verbally. That's usually what happens in Washington. Uh, you have to be a per, you, it's moronic to put that in writing, even in in a social media uh, um, uh, forum. Uh, so uh, there's a great deal of glaring evidence, and this is one of the reasons why I think the Democrats doth protest too much uh, when they say, let's stop uh, all this questioning, there's nothing here to see. There's obviously corruption here. That's what influence peddling is. It's a mm. form of corruption. It is a form of corruption. By the way, he's absolutely right. It is moronic to put it in writing. Anyone that's ever spent five minutes in one, that's when you get phone calls. You send an email, text, or whatever to someone saying, hey, is this going to happen? Are you going to drop that information off? You don't get a response. They pick up the phone, call you, and say, hey, idiot, don't ever write that again. <laughs> I mean, this is... But you know what's even more moronic than sending it WhatsApp? Saving the message to your hard drive on your laptop, which you then leave at a random repair shop in Delaware. That is truly, that is truly moronic. But he makes the interesting point. Again, it doesn't. Ha Joe Biden didn't have to be there. He doesn't even have to get a direct payoff. His role as the Don, as Senator Johnson called it, is enough, according to federal law, to make him a guilty party, to make it rise to the question of high crimes and misdemeanors. And that's exactly what Turley pointed out in his final statement. But I want to emphasize something else. The fact that Joe Biden did not get direct payments is not a defense to the classic type of case of bribery or some of these corruption crimes. The courts have repeatedly said that money going to family members is viewed as a benefit to the principal in actual criminal cases. So that whole defense is a bit nonsensical if you're talking about corruption. And that's exactly what we have been talking about, corruption. And nonsensical is a great way to describe most of what comes out of the mouths of Bidens. Now, earlier, I, I told you, Kelly Gertz, I played the, the damage control done by Corrine Jean Van Dam when she, you know, Joe Biden did his entire event yesterday on, which was called the, the Actions to Fight Crime and Make Our Communities Safer, of which he not met, did not mention Crime, murders, anything to do with illegal aliens once, never even mentioned Lake and Riley. They only issued a statement days after the event, and it was a tepid statement at best. So Corrine Jean Van Dam rode in on her white horse, did her Velma imitation, as Black Velma saying, well, I can't spoil the case, but uh, we're, we're darn sorry to hear about that. Well, so did Mayor Kelly Gertz. He, of course, being in Athens, Georgia, where this all took place, in Cut 27, he was asked, about do you do you bear responsibility? Do you need to apologize? I want to know whether or not you feel as city leaders that you owe the Lake and Riley family an apology for allowing that to happen in the first place. Yeah. We are deeply sorry for this tragedy. The responsibility for this crime rests solely upon the perpetrator. Well, it does rest upon the perpetrator. I would agree, majority, but not all, because the fact is you run a sanctuary city where you welcomed with open arms people like Jose Antonio Abera, who was the, the alleged murderer in this case. Now, his press conference wasn't nearly that calm. Uh, not all of it, at least. Now, he did want you to know there's no correlation between illegal immigration. Well, actually, no, he didn't. I stand corrected. Here's what he said in Cut 23. In the main, I caution against conflating immigration and crime. The data demonstrates that the two are not connected. You can stop it right there. You can just stop it right there. He goes on, I've been here for administrations. 
Just I want you to play one more time that first sentence. Listen closely. They they nuance their words very very specifically. In the main, I caution against conflating immigration and crime. The data demonstrates that the two are not connected. Okay, so what's he actually saying? The question isn't about immigration. It's not about legal immigration. At least it's about illegal aliens in the country. Sure, if you put it to a broad-based thing of immigration overall, legal controlled immigration versus illegal aliens, you're going to see a difference. This is how they love to manipulate the data however they possibly can, whenever they can. That's the game that they play. But then that press conference kind of went killywampus for him, as they like to say in the Midwest. Cut 24. Mayor Gertz is trying to get a point across about how things are done there in athens Clark County. Yeah, he didn't quite get to his point. Is it here in athens Clark County, we center our work in the public sector. You need to go, sir. We don't want to hear from you no more. You're not defending us. You're not upholding your oath of office, sir. You are lawless. You are a criminal. If non-members of the press, yeah, I'm a press member. Might be asked to leave. The people. We created this government, and we pay your salary. You do what we want you to do, not what you want to do. That's the problem with this lawlessness in our country. You're not upholding your I've got a question from a member of the press. Now, just for the record, when you have so irritated your constituents that they they show up at a public press conference to question and to challenge you because you won't let yourself be questioned otherwise, you refuse to be held accountable in any way, probably the wrong first answer is, well, if you're not in the press, get out. I don't really care if you're not one of my allies in the press. Now, he did go on in this press conference to try to point out that his hands are as clean as Pontius Pilate. Because, after all, it's always the orange man Bad's fault, right? While 2019 was not that long ago, you might remember the dynamic we were living in in the late teens in this country, where you had the President of the United States speaking in the most vile terms about people who were foreign-born. And you had that notion metastasizing in places like Charlottesville. So here he is. It's all about, he tries to make it about Donald Trump. It's Donald Trump's fault that Jose Antonio Abera was there and murdered that girl because he said bad things about him. No, I think he probably described him pretty well because didn't he say they were a bunch of thugs and thieves and rapists and murderers? Kind of like Jose Antonio Abera. But here's the thing. This is the same mayor that claims their policies are not that of a sanctuary city, that that is a misdiagnosis of the situation and of the city. But apparently, like a lot of liberals, Mayor Kelly Gertz forgot that we have this nifty technology now known as videotape, audio recordings, video recordings, like this one of Mayor Gertz on ACTV in Athens, Georgia, in that very year he referenced 2019. The athens Clark County Unified Government is welcoming to people from all lands and backgrounds mm-hmm. and strives to foster a community where individuals and families of all statuses feel safe, are able to prosper, and can breathe free. So in other words, we're a sanctuary city. And I refuse to admit what I did then, because then it would show my complicity and my guilt in what just happened. No, instead, I want to kick the public out and only take questions from friendly people in the media. When we get back, 
Brandon Judd sets the record straight on the board. The regular Joe Radio Show. As uh, that's somebody, Joe Giganti, you rig of the Joe here. Now, Brandon Judd is the president of the National Border Patrol Council. We just got a little bit of time here. He was on yesterday on Fox's America Reports talking about the situation at Eagle Pass versus Brownsville. I don't have time to get through all of them, but two, I think, that are of great import to pay attention. The first of which is that the whole thing about Joe Biden going to Brownsville, what does it mean? He says he's going there because he wants to hear from members of the CBP. Well, it's interesting because he represents the CBP, Brandon Judd, and in Cut 30, he explained how they feel about Joe Biden picking Brownsville as his destination. And when Joe Biden goes out to to uh, to Brownsville, he's not going to see anything. He's not going to be able to determine what he needs to do to better uh, control the situation. And that's why Border Patrol agents, we are upset at what, what he's doing. Because they see right through it. Now, Brandon Judd gave a great list of things that could be done all by executive order, all within the law right now. He said he gave that list to Senator Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas in, on day one when Joe Biden took over. They've ignored it. He said it's even within the parameters of his so-called humane policy. And that if he did it, it would drop the numbers by 65 percent. But that led to a conversation about well, what has been the most effective? What has worked the best? To which Brandon Judd said this in Cut 32. That's what we have to do. We have to stop the catch and release. Once we stop that, all of this illegal immigration stops. Remain in Mexico was extremely effective. The single best policy that I have ever seen in my 25-year career. 25-year career, remain in Mexico, the single best, most effective policy ever. And who had that? Oh, that would be right. That was Donald Trump. Four executive orders, and he effectively secured our border. Joe Biden overturned all four of them, refuses to reverse on that, refuses to do the things Brandon Judd told him about. And, and basically all he wanted them to do was surge asylum judges to the border, expedite the trials. As, you, as soon as you find out they're not eligible, then you immediately deport them. Jay Johnson, who was the Homeland Security Secretary under Barack Hussein Obama, was on Fox this morning. He even admitted these numbers have never been this bad. And the fact is, he said he used to fly to the countries where the planes were arriving with the deported people so that the, the media would cover him in those countries, showing those people were, were getting back to their country. As a means of sending a clear message, we will send you back. That was under Barack Obama. Now, of course, he's still a talking talking head for the Democrats. So it's like, but we really need this Senate bill that doesn't do any of these things, doesn't do any of it. It gives it best. It gives a head nod to the national security in the United States while putting tens of billions of dollars in the pockets of Ukraine, mostly Ukraine, to a very small uh, effect, Israel, and, and to the Taiwan situation as well. So, I mean, again, this is this is all it's all smoke and mirrors. Brandon Judd laid it out very clearly. Now, we'll find out. We'll see what they have to say. And we'll, of course, report tomorrow. Something tells me Donald Trump's visit will be a far more effective one. Tomorrow, we're also going to talk about the end of Jeopardy, one of the greatest game shows in history. And now they want to crash it down all in the name of wokeism. 
I think I think Alex Trebek probably rolled over in his grave on this one. I'll share that with you tomorrow. Between now and then, ladies and gentlemen, it is up to you and me, we the people, if we want to save this republic. And it always begins with a very simple but effective effort. Live life boldly. See you tomorrow, everybody. Regular Joe Show.